All right, let's, uh, let's start by reading some of 1 Kings chapter 21 as we continue our series in, on Elijah and Elisha. And uh, then we'll have a word of prayer and we'll kind of get, get into this. So it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me thy vineyard, that I may have it for a garden of herbs, because it is near unto my house. And I'll give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or, if it seem good to thee, I'll give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it, that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would eat no bread. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad that thou eatest no bread? And he said unto her, Because I spake unto Naboth the Jezreelite, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I'll not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel his wife said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in his city, dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high amongst the people and set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. The men of his city, even the elders of the nobles who were in the inhabitants of, in his city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them, and as it was written in the letters which ha she had sent unto them. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth on high amongst the people. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and set before him, or sat before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. They sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth is stoned and is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give thee for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. It came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab arose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for just the opportunity to gather here this morning, and we ask that you'd bless now. Our Bible study time, speak to our hearts, help us to learn and to understand the truths that are laid out for us here in your word. We pray for the Sunday school classes downstairs, Lord, that you'd be with each of the teachers, be with the students, just bless the time there. Bless the morning worship service to follow in the junior church hour. Thank you again, as always, Lord, for your goodness. 
Thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So we kind of catch up here with, uh, we continue with the, the life of Elijah, and in just a few minutes we'll get a little bit further into the chapter and we'll see uh, where Elijah fits into all of this here. But um, as we've studied the life of Elijah, just kind of a quick uh, reminder back in uh, chapter number, uh, what was it, chapter number 17, Elijah arrives on the scene and uh, we find him. Uh, at the brook Cherith, and the Lord takes care of him there. If you remember, he goes to Zarephath, and he meets the widow woman there, and uh, takes care of her needs, and then her son dies, and he's resurrected from the dead. And then we went to, uh, from there to um, chapter 18, where uh, we meet up with Obadiah, and um, then the meeting of Elijah, uh, or Elijah tells Obadiah to tell Ahab, I want to meet with him face to face. And they meet up on top of Mount Carmel. And um, the meeting with Elijah and the 450 prophets, the calling down of fire from heaven and upon the altar. How long will you halt between two opinions? Was the challenge that Elijah gave to the uh, Israelites. And um, so that, that kind of brings us up to speed with regards to where we're at now. We're not going to look at, at chapter, number, um, chapter number 20, because chapter number 20, there's a siege. You can read that on your own. Elijah's not really in chapter number 20. But that's the, that's the account where there's the gods of the mountains and the gods of the valleys, and, and um, uh, the, Samarit, or the Syrians are, are smitten there, and so on and so forth. Well, we get into chapter number 21, and um, we find here some interesting truths, I think. So look on your handout, if you would, your introduction. So like Ahab, much of the world throughout history has sold itself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Notice again verse number 20. Uh, well, we didn't read it yet, but look at verse number 20 in our, in our chapter. Look what it says. And Ahab said to Elijah... Hast thou found me, O enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. I'll say more about that in a minute. So corrupt is the human heart that it'll stop at nothing and really will pay anything at times to satisfy its own desires. Ahab wants that vineyard. Naboth doesn't want to give him that vineyard. The enemy wants your life. Now, we know that if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we're born again, we're eternally secure um, in the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? But the reality is that Satan will do anything that he can to ruin your testimony, to try to destroy the work that God has called you to do here in this world in which we live. Uh, but the world itself and mankind throughout time has sold itself, the corruption of man's heart has sold itself and will at times stop at nothing and will pay anything at times to satisfy its own desires. Um, I just gave you one example. We didn't, we didn't really look at this either, but notice in 2 Kings chapter 17, verse 17, this is where Israel would find itself, that they would cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and to use divination and enchantments, and they sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger. That the Israelites, the believers 
and the one true living God would bring themselves to the point and to the place where they would sacrifice children in the fire. And so if you want to kind of bring that to the day in which we live today, is who would have ever thought in the culture in which this country was founded upon that we would have by now have murdered 50 million children through abortion? You know, is it really much different than what they were doing in Israel? And, you know, that's, that's where we find ourselves. Um, it, it's, just, it's just mind-boggling to me. But the characters in the story that we've read here, they've totally abandoned themselves to the service of sin. Not only Ahab, not only Jezebel, and the, the, the setup, the henchmen that she, that she hires, you know, to kind of put this whole scenario together where they, you know, she said, just again, she said, listen, um, verse 10, set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him, saying, thou did blaspheme God and the king. You know, she was the one that came up with this elaborate plan uh, when she comes to Ahab and finds that Ahab, uh, he's, he's sad because he can't get somebody else's piece of property that he's coveting. He tried to buy it from him. He tried to bribe it from him. And, and by the way, Naboth knew, uh, look, at the, look at the bottom paragraph of my introduction. Naboth did not refuse to sell his vineyard merely because of a natural attachment to the inheritance of his fathers, but because the law of God forbid it. The land might not be transferred from one tribe to another, and Naboth knew this law, and he bravely resolved to obey the law. And, uh, and Ahab knew that as well. In verse 3, Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee. And so Naboth is taking a stand here. And uh, he's going to pay with his life for taking a stand. And so Jezebel puts this plan together and uh, to set uh, Naboth up as we read that. And... Um, uh, put Naboth above the people and then to, to lie. And she, you can always find people to lie for your cause. And, um, you know, if, if, if they, and I'm sure they were paid well to lie uh, for the cause here. And um, Paul wrote to Timothy, didn't he? And he said that uh, the love of money is the what? Yeah, it's the root of all evil. So it's, it's amazing how money will... Uh, uh, influence people. And um, I'm sure they didn't have a hard time finding two sons of Belial to, to bear witness against and to, to, to lie about Naboth. Just pay them enough and, and they'll lie. And so that's the scenario here that's taken place. And I suppose uh, Ahab and Jezebel thought they got away with all of this. But now that brings us to the prophet Elijah. And, you know, God called the prophets to go, whether it's the major prophets or whether it's the minor prophets, to go to Israel and to confront Israel with whatever the issues might be. Injustice, uh, idolatry, uh, one thing after the other. And so, as I've always read through the scriptures, the prophets, to me, uh, they're, they're representative of the word of God. They're bringing the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. And there's an issue here 
that has to be confronted. And Elijah is going to be used of God to confront it. So I want to think of it that way this morning in our Sunday school hour, the idea how the word of God confronts sin. It confronts sin. So look, notice on your hand, point, hand up point number one, the word of God is opposed to sin. That's just a simple statement, but that's true, amen? That's what God's word does. It conf- it, it, it's opposed to sin. So notice now as we pick this up after this whole scenario in verse 17. So the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite saying, Arise, go to meet Ahab, king of Israel, which is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, whither he has gone down to possess it. So Elijah, again, is going to confront Ahab. The word of God confronts sin in our lives as well. When we come to church, uh, when we sit under the preaching of the word, or we sit under the teaching of the word, or when we open our Bibles, maybe in our own devotional time, we read the scriptures, we hear the scriptures. Uh, Part of the reason that God has given given us his word is for sin to be confronted in our lives. You came to know Jesus Christ as your Savior because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So someone brought the Word of God to you and the Word of God in, in um, um, conjunction with the Holy Spirit of God brought conviction to your heart and the reality of who you were and what your need was and who Jesus is and, and why he came. And so in order to be in order to be born again child of God, who you are at some point in life has to be confronted. And uh, sin has to be confronted. And if it's not the time in which you accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, or, or after that time, as you walk through life, as you walk with the Lord, there's going to be other times in your life where, uh, because none of us go, go through life in sinless perfection, we all have sin in our lives, even as believers. Uh, there's a battle of the flesh and the spirit. But the blessing of God's word is, as a child of God, as we sit under the preaching and the teaching and the reading of the scriptures, and is for God to take that word and the spirit of God to take that word and to all of a sudden confront us and say, well, wait a minute, as a child of God, there's an issue that you need to deal with here. And um, we should be thankful for that. Now, in this instance, uh, this covetousness and then that then a, really a premeditated murder is going to be confronted here. Paul would write to Timothy and, and um, you know, First Timothy, Timothy and Second Timothy and um, in the book of Titus, those are pastoral epistles. So these were instructions Paul would give to young Timothy the preacher. And he would say to him on your handout, notice, preach the word, preach the word. Be instant, in season, and out of season. Reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Part of the word of God, part of the preaching of the word of God, is for re- to, to be reproved, uh, which means to show us our faults. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Amen? That God and his word would expose our faults in our life. But the preacher, that's part of what he's supposed to do. Preach the word. And um, uh, 
rebuke, to censor or to admonish, and to, to exhort, to invoke, or to call for. Preach the word, be instant, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Make sure if you're preaching the word of God that you're preaching it from a doctrinally correct point of view. But Elijah comes on the scene here and he's confronting this sin. And um, he goes right to where, right to the vineyard where it's taking place. And uh, he says in verse 19, and uh, God says to him, and thou shalt speak unto him saying, thus saith the Lord, hast thou killed and also taken possession? And thou shalt speak unto him saying, thus saith the Lord, in the place where the dogs licked the blood of Naboth, shall dogs lick thy blood, even thine. Whoa! It's not really a, it's not really a, a soft and tender message. Like It's like, you're in trouble, Ahab. And you know, I'm for encouraging messages and positive messages, but also some of the preaching, it just needs to step on some toes. It needs to be, it needs to, the fire of God's word and um, sin has to be confronted. And God's given us his word to do that. And, and uh, listen, Jesus, boy, he's faced the Pharisees sometimes. And he said, you guys, are, you guys are just hypocrites. You're just liars. You're whited sepulchers. And he didn't hold back. Paul, read some of Paul's epistles to the, to the, to the churches and uh, how he confronts them, especially the church in Corinth. I mean, he just kind of lays them out and tells them what they need to correct. So we should never, we should, we should always be thankful for that. And I understand sometimes it's not always, not only, not always what you say, but how you say it. And, um, but we should be thankful that God's word confronts these issues in our life. So here's, here's Elijah, the man of God, uh, representing God's word, and he's confronting him here. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration, and it's profitable for doctrine. For, um, all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. For doctrine, those things that are right. Those things that are right, that's what the word of God is. That's what doctrine is, those things that are right. For uh, reproof, those things that are wrong. The Word of God shows us the things that are wrong. For instruction, how to get them right. And for correction, how to keep them right. So the Word of God, it's, it's opposed to sin. And, and, and God's man here, is, he's, he's confronting Ahab with this. And, and then we know that sin is condemned in the Bible. John 3.19, this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Why is it that, uh, you know, I've, I've often said through my years of ministry that the Bible is the most loved book in the world and it's also the most hated book in the world, right? I mean, if you're a believer, you love the word of God. But if you're not a believer, you hate the word of God because it, conf it confronts sin, it confronts the issues of life, and it condemns sin. That's because man's heart is evil. And uh, we saw it as we've studied through the life of Elijah, where 
uh, Jezebel, after Elijah had that great victory on top of Mount Carmel, it's um, Jezebel that wants to kill him and she just hates him and hates what he's done. Um, I was um, sharing a little bit of our history of this ministry. Aaron? Aaron, okay, good. Make sure I got the name right. Uh, with Aaron, and you know, in the early days of the ministry here in North Adams, and I suppose it's like, especially in a lot of towns that have been around for a long time, but if a new church comes into town, people are kind of like, what's this all about? And uh, I can remember there was even some like, well, that must be a cult, you know, you know because they're, they're just different. There must be a cult. And because uh, people don't know. And you just preach the word of God. Um, but whenever, you, whenever the word of God is preached, it's going to ruffle some feathers. People aren't going to like it. It's just the way it's always been. Nothing new under the sun. And Elijah here, he's just bringing the word of God and he's dealing with this sin issue that's got to be taken care of. So on the back of your hand, now the second point of this lesson is the word of God will expose sin. Exposes it. Look at verse 20. The Bible says this. And Ahab said unto Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Listen, my first sub-point is this. Sin is never done in secret. Never. Now, it may be done in secret to people. But sin, your sin and my sin, we can never hide it from God. God is always aware of what's going on in our lives. And for a time, even you might be able to hide it from people. But sooner or later, sooner or later, it'll be found out. Right from the Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve hiding, and God comes. And what does God say? Adam! Where art thou? Well, God knew, God knew where they were. God was just, hey, hey, what are you doing here? And, uh, of course, Adam, hey, it was, the, it was the, the wife. She made me do it, you know. That's another nature of sin. We always want to blame everybody else for our sin. But uh, you can't hide. You, you can't hide your sin from God. It's never done in secret. It's hidden from men, but not from God. Hebrews 4.13 Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. I don't really have time this morning because I kind of got started late, but I would have had us turn to Psalm 139. And that's the psalm where the psalmist talks about, you know, wherever we are, we can't hide from God. We can be on it. And really, what Psalm 139, in many ways, is it, this is meant to be more positive than negative, but if we're on a mountaintop, God is there. If we're in the lowest places of the earth, God is there. If we're in the darkest places of the earth, God is there. God is always with us. And, um, and, and I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm thankful for the promise that he's promised never to leave us nor to forsake us. But always then, that reminds me that wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, whomever I'm with, whatever I'm saying, the Lord's with me. And um, can't hide my sin from him. He already knows. He already knows. And then 
the second sub-point here is this, that, listen, sin, sooner or later, sooner or later, sin is going to find us out. It's just the way that it is. And here, Ahab, who thinks he's gotten away with this plan here, um, and Jezebel, but sin's found them out. He, it, it says here um, that you, he said, you sold thyself to do work evil in the sight of the Lord. And, and by the way, let me just stop here because now we didn't, I mentioned it, but just in the previous chapter, God had, had rescued Ahab from the Syrians. Um, Behold, I, verse 21, I will bring evil upon thee and will take away thy posterity and will cut off Ahab from him that pisseth against the wall and him that is shut up and left in Israel. Sooner or later, sin will find you out. Sooner or later, your sin will get exposed. It's just the way that it is. Uh, many, many years ago, uh, I was involved with someone who uh, came to me and um, they had accused someone. They had a child out of wedlock. And they had accused the father of this child of rape. And it wasn't true. And um, as she sat under the preaching of the word of God, I had no idea. You know, I mean, how many times have you heard this people say, you know, people come and visit, they'll come to church for the first time. How did that preacher know about my life? You know, well, the preacher doesn't know about your life, but the Holy Spirit knows about your life. And uh, God knows about your life and loves you. But it was after several years of sitting under that preaching that the Holy Spirit just kept pricking her heart and pricking her heart. And finally she said, no, it's just not true. And, um, and made it right with the father of her child. And uh, which was a good thing because the father of her child then could have a relationship. There was no, there was never a relationship with that child. And the child was approaching her adult years and she wanted to know her father. But there was always this lie that had been told that prevented that. And um, they made that right. But that's how God's, that's what God's work does. Sometimes God's word confronts us in a moment. Sometimes God's word, and of course, we're understanding that all of this involves the Holy Spirit, you know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes it takes weeks or months or maybe even years. And I've had situations like that happen in my years of ministry. People come and they'll that I've known for years, and they'll say, you know, now that God's really been speaking to me about this, or God's been speaking to me about this, and I need to deal with this, and I need to deal with that. And I don't know, but God knows. Be sure your sin, sooner or later, your sin will find you out. In Numbers chapter 32 and 23, the Bible says, if you will, if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. The context for that verse, by the way, is the children of Israel were going to enter in with Moses to, uh, or, um, yeah, they were going to enter into uh, Israel. But two tribes, the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of Gad, wanted to stay uh, on the other side of the border. 
And uh, so they were challenged, and they said, well, wait a minute. So you're not going to go in, and you're not going to fight for the land, and you're going to leave it to the other ten tribes? And they said, no, 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 this is what we'll do. If you'll allow us to settle this land, and uh, we'll go, we'll send our men, and we'll fight with the other ten tribes. Uh, and then once we've freed the land of Israel, um, because God had given them instruction to go in and conquer the land, then we'll go back. And so the challenge was, okay, okay, you can do that. But, and that, that's, the, that's the first part of the verse. But if you will not do so, meaning if you're not going to follow up on what you promised to do, you've sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. Well, that's true about life. You know, our sin will sooner or later, it'll find us out. And um, we, we, we need to be mindful of that. And then lastly, as we finish up, the word of the Lord, it'll, it'll depose sin. Uh, look at verses uh, 21 again through 24. Behold, I'll bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity, and will cut off Ahab, and him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and le left in Israel, and will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger, and made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dog shall eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. Sin always has consequences. It always has consequences. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, he shall also reap. There's always a consequence somewhere down the line for sin. And sin sooner or later comes to conclusion. Now it said in Hebrews of Moses, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. There's always a season for sin, but like all the seasons, sooner or later it'll catch up with you. And that season comes to an end. And uh, the word of God will confront us. The word of God uh, will expose what we think is done in secret. Uh, and the word of God will deal with it. And we should be thankful we should be thankful for that. And uh, just look, we're out of time, but look at the conclusion. In the end, because Ahab was willing to sell himself for a vineyard, simply because it was near his house, simply because he coveted after it, and was willing to do whatever it took to get it, even if it meant breaking God's word, deceiving Naboth, premeditating his murder, and involving the entire community, he lost everything. Challenges, if we're not careful, what are we willing to lose? Because we're looking at Ahab, who was a wicked king. But most of you, probably all of you know what happened to King David in the evening when, when, when the kings go forth to do battle and David was not. And he looked down upon Bathsheba and all of the, the adultery, the drunkenness, the premeditated murder of uh, Uriah, the Hittite, and just, but same thing, God sent a prophet and to expose the sin. So be thankful. If, if you're sitting in church or sitting in Sunday school or you're reading your Bible and the, the preaching is going forth and all of a sudden there's a message where the Spirit of God begins to just touch your heart, prick your heart, and uh, the Holy Spirit of God saying, you know, this is wrong in your life. You need to get this, you need to... You need to get this right. You need to, you need to 
ask forgiveness or you need to ask for God's spirit to give you the ability to overcome that sin in your life. Um, take care of it right then and there with the Lord. Uh, just bow your head before God and admit that area of your life that, that, that is so lacking. Because that's the plan that God has given us in his word. Yes, we're confronted with the word of God, but then we also have a compassionate God who once we admit our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even, by the way, Ahab, if we read through the, these last couple of verses, look what it says in verse 25. But there was none like unto Ahab which did evil. Um, but there was none like unto Ahab which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord, whom Jezebel his wife stirred up. And he did very abominably in following idols, according to all the things as did the Amorites, whom the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. But it came to pass when Ahab heard these words, meaning the, he was confronted by Elijah, that he rent his clothes, put sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted and laid in sackcloth and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humble himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I'll not bring the evil in his day, but in his son's day will I bring the evil upon his house. Wow. Even Ahab was touched. And, um, but then look what happened. It affected the next generation. And so our sin, if we don't get it right, can affect the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. I heard, I listened to Pastor Ethan's message last week when he was preaching down in Connecticut. And he brought my name up. Gave a little bit of the testimony of my wife and I and how we came to know the Lord and, and the kind of lifestyle that we had before we knew Christ. And um, he said he was thankful because he never witnessed any of that because he wasn't born yet. We, we, we were saved before he got born. And uh, I'm so glad because um, we should all be... We should all be uh, sensitive to the fact that the sin in our lives can affect the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Um, anyhow, I've gone over. Let's, let's have a word of prayer together. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. We are thankful, Lord, for your word. And sometimes something that we read or something that we hear uh, that confronts us. Don't let our old fleshly nature uh, be offended by it, but be thankful. We should be thankful, Lord, that uh, you care enough that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And I'm glad for that in my own life. But bless the, the, the services to follow. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you in our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can.
God bless you.